We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of a Dice Tradecast on Roto-Viz Radio. Uh, today, I, 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 it's one of those things that every single time we start a show, if it's Eric, Eric always does the same intro. If it's me, I always do the same intro, basically saying that I'm not Eric. So basically, we're, we're, we're a broken record with whatever our intro is. But it's me, Nathan. I'm, I'm here today. And because a solo podcast would make you want to tear... The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Your ears out. Uh, I am joined by my good friend, Ryan McDowell. How's it going tonight, Ryan? It is going well. Glad to be back on with i was gonna say you guys but it's just it's just you nathan yeah it's just us just us it's a nice intimate podcast scenario tonight but uh i, I definitely appreciate that you can save the day uh at, for once we actually scheduled i guess a couple of days in advance and then it was our host that ended up having to back out <laughs> those guys we, we can't count on them it, but nathan if we had waited a week we could have done this live in the, in the same room i'll be down your way very soon there you go. I'm excited about that. So as you know, the Nice Tradecast is brought to you by my FFPC. I want everyone to know that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your, po- your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our NFL content, and it also supports the pod. You can contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and on Twitter, at rotovizradio. Rotoviz Radio and its fantastic collection of podcasts are now available on Blog Talk Radio and iTunes. You can find find us along with the rest of the Rotoviz shows under Rotoviz Radio. And we also have our individual feed for just this show. Simply so sure it's Dynasty Tradecast, a Rotoviz FF podcast on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. Click subscribe and leave us a rating and review. All righty. Uh, so let's get into our topics for today. Uh, basically, we're going to have a couple of news and notes and because Eric didn't show up, I was like, you know what? Eric always hates when we talk Debbie because he doesn't know anything about Debbie. So it's just me and you, Ryan. We can talk some Debbie. So we're going to talk some Debbie strategy and then a, an addition of Debbie or the vet uh, as we wrap up the show. 
All righty, here we go. First topic of the day. This is the one that, that blew up the Twitter. And I feel like this. I feel like we've seen this topic like October of last year, and then it like dwindled, and then it happened again. And this is now June, I believe, if I get my months correctly, in the summer. Uh, Andrew Luck, he threw a football today. Uh, are you excited about that? No, 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 no. Um, it doesn't. I don't know. Maybe it makes me feel a little bit better, but for people to act comfortable or or to feel comfortable about where he's at 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 this point is they're just lying to themselves or maybe they're lying to us. Uh, I mean, it's great that he has a minimal level of progress, but to me, he's, he's still not a sure thing to play at all in 2018 because I just don't believe anything that the Colts say at this point. And he's certainly not a, a lock to be ready at the beginning of the season. Yeah, at, at this point, I kind of see Andrew Luck, and obviously I think his price kind of raises a little bit today, but in the last month or two, Andrew Luck and his price kind of look like a year or two from now we're going to look at like, oh my God, why didn't I buy all the Andrew Luck in April of, of 2018? Or, wow, I can't believe I bought all that Andrew Luck in April of 2018 because he never did anything ever again. So I, I think that either way, there's going to be egg on the faces of, of somebody here, and Honestly, I'm kind of on both sides of the fence. I'm going to try and, you know, acquire when it's super cheap, and I'm trying to sell off when I can get any sort of uh, decent value. Just just to throw into some, some anecdotal evidence into this conversation, in a recent startup, a best ball Superflex startup, I got Andrew Luck at 408. What are your thoughts on that price? Yeah, I think I think that's the point. And in a Superflex league, for sure, we, we know how hard it is to get – really any any starting quarterback, let alone one who's put up numbers like Luck has. So that's that's a spot where I would be willing to gamble that he does come back and, and play at a high level. But there I mean in general there are so so many so many unanswered questions with this injury. And not only will he come back, but um, how well will he perform? Uh, how how strong is that arm? And then you've got to consider the offense around him because right now it's looking pretty ugly. Yeah, and on the flip side of that coin, I sold him in a one QB league recently. And this is one of those things that it's a lot easier to sell or at least, you know, stomach selling Andrew Luck in a one QB league right now because even if he does return to form, it, it, the odds are you didn't actually, like, you know, just give him away for free. Like in my scenario, in an auction rookie auction league I, I, in non-Devy, I, I traded away Luck for Trubisky, a second and a third. So, yes, if Luck turns back into Luck, that's an undersell. But I think that that – stomachs the risk of that as well as you know just gives me a decent floor with the fact that luck could still never return to form so i guess thoughts on that deal and, and is there any difference between your your risk assessment in one qb versus superflex and luck oh yeah absolutely i agree with what you said uh, and in general it's just so easy to find a quarterback in uh, in a one qb league even if you want to go with with one of those veterans and there's plenty of those at this point um so it's it would be I would be much more likely to to sell in a one quarterback league uh, at this point. But I, I like the value you got there. I mean, a lot of people are pegging Trubisky for a breakout season as he heads into year two uh, and to get a couple draft picks. I think you did well with that one. I, I, one thing I'm seeing kind of a disconnect with when it comes to luck and his value is um, – ADP or well, whether it's ADP like that we have at DLF where he is still being drafted as a top 10 quarterback or actual startup drafts. I'm, I'm in a startup auction right now and uh, he's looks like he's basically being valued um, again as, as the top 10 quarterback still. Uh, but then when it comes to his trade value in existing leagues, that's where I really see a difference. Um, so I, Maybe people have a, a different mindset when they're building a team from scratch versus potentially trading for him. Well, certainly in a, in a league that's been around for a few years, you've pr- pretty much gotten nothing from luck for two years. So you're you're more willing to, uh, or you know, people who are impatient are more willing to say, "All right, this guy's giving me nothing for two years. I'll trade him off, even if it's for below market value or below what they think they should accept for him." Um, I guess while, while we're talking luck, and this is a they the, their weapons are, are pretty barren. I believe they have Ryan Grant to go with T.Y. Hilton uh, and uh, Jack Doyle at tight end. Um, do you have worries about luck? I mean, about Hilton long term, or is you think he's fine regardless? 
And then if if the if if Luck's health works out, uh, it's more of just a bonus for Hilton. Yeah, I'm pretty concerned with Hilton um, based on what we saw last year. Now, I mean, if if Luck comes back and um, hopefully we can just throw this conversation out the window because I'm as as worried as I am, I'm I'm hopeful and I'm certainly pulling for him. He's I I think he's shown he's one of the best quarterbacks that we've seen in some time and and you hate to see that that talent wasted or cut short with an injury but um if he doesn't come back or if he proves that he's not full strength not back to 100% then I think we have to be worried about Hilton he had a couple splash games last year um but in general he was he was not even a, a fantasy starter for much of the season yeah, and that certainly can be frustrating because, you know, and this is a case for best ball, I guess, but it's one of those scenarios where, you know, you got the, like, six straight weeks of, like, eight points or less, and then when he has the 30-point game, it's like, well, damn, I just benched him this week. So that's yep. certainly a frustration you can have in the seasonal format. Sorry, that was that was my guy Amari Cooper last year, too. He had really the same thing. Yeah, but Amari's going to bounce back. Hashtag anything yes. for Amari. Yes, that's right. <laughs> All right, let's move on to a couple of Patriots news. The first one's going to be uh, the more concrete, and that's the Edelman suspension suspended for the first four games of the season, performance-enhancing drugs. Now, Julian Edelman didn't really have any dynasty value to begin with. Yes, he had some, okay, he's a nice, like, you know, win-now piece of guy. You can have a secure wire receiver three, wire receiver four. But um, I I guess the question more so is, uh, how does this affect the dynasty value of the pieces around him? And or if you disagree with me, do you think that this has any sort of large impact on his value? No, I, I actually agree with you. I mean, I think he's a guy, obviously he has roster value and uh, in general still worthy of uh, of a, a start on a weekly basis in that offense. But um, losing him for four games, he's 30, I think he's 32 years old. Four games is not going to impact his dynasty value much. If you find that it does, then then you should buy him, especially if you're a contender. But the the pieces around him, that's really a, a, an interesting question because it's, it's just always so hard to figure out what the Patriots are going to do. Uh, Chris Hogan is, I think, being viewed as the the main beneficiary of, of that, and you would think it would be him. I mean, we see some of these other young receivers or these uh, guys that they've taken a chance on kind of picked up the off the scrap heap like, Jordan Matthews and, and Kenny Britt, guys like that, Philip Dorsett, they're just taking the, the the cast-offs from around the NFL. And that usually works well for the Patriots. So uh, I have no idea which one of those cast-offs will turn into something. Uh, we, we've seen some predictions lately that uh, Matthews wouldn't even make the final roster, make the team this year. So he would be my choice, but I don't, I don't follow the team like some of these beat writers and they're the ones making that prediction. Yeah. It was uh, Tommy Curran who had a 53 man roster prediction and left, I believe both Matthews and Dorsett out of the picture, but I also believe that was right before the Edelman news. So as the Matthews optimist, I'm going to say that this suspension news is good news for Matthews because I think that, you know, Brady and Belichick want to have some veteran receivers that they think they can trust. And I think that Matthews fills that role. And people who are talking about uh, Hogan, I, I honestly think that it, once Edelman gets back, I think it's the Edelman and Matthews show. I think Matthews plays the Ho- Hogan role better than Hogan does. I'm, I'm not some sort of tape grinder, but I, I, I do think he's better at short yardage and guys who can, you know, also I've been a Matthews fan pretty much his entire career, which I mean, until he got to Buffalo, it was a good thing for fantasy. So <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how things play out with, with Matthews. Um, obviously none of these guys are have a promising, like, future long-term situation because Brady will retire in the next year or two. But um, obviously that may be looking too far ahead. Because when, it's, when you're talking about guys that are being taken in the 11th, 12th, later round of startups, I'm not too worried about what they're going to be doing two, three years from now. I'm more so worried about the early rounds of when those guys are going to be, you know, relevant, you know, down the road. But when it comes to the 11th to 20th round, even when I'm going like a win now type perspective, I'm still taking, I'm, I'm fine taking guys that I don't see as long-term as I see them as guys that I can, I can sell at the deadline or even, you know, try and help me win year one. Yeah, I agree. And the Patriots are a weird team because um, obviously from an NFL perspective, they're, uh, they're the best, the best team around as far as their success over, I mean, really Nathan, over your entire lifetime. Um, 
It's true, though. I mean, you've yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, the, the the history of Brady and Belichick, and I mean, we we've seen the Eagles as the reigning Super Bowl champs, but in general, the the Patriots are are still sitting atop the NFL on a year to year basis. But then when you take that dynasty perspective, I, I was looking at this recently, looking at our uh, DLF ADP. They only have three players inside the top 100. So of course you have, uh, you have Gronkowski, you've got uh, Sony Michelle who has uh, some, some value as the, the new guy in town. But overall, this is not a team that has a lot of valuable dynasty assets overall. Yeah. And that's certainly to the point where, and we, we've seen them hesitant to invest at wide receiver in rookie and NFL, rookie, NFL drafts, not rookie drafts, of course. Um, but I could see because they, they have such like a mess wide receiver of, you know, guys that are NFL players that don't quite become like NFL studs. And they might, might learn pretty quickly that when they don't have Tom Brady, that you can't just throw out the Philip Dorsett's the world and expect to make Super Bowls. All right, let's move on to our last Patriots bit, and we can just go over this quickly because I don't think it has much dynasty relevance. But uh, Friday afternoon, um, so pretty much a week uh, a week ago when you're listening to this, uh, there was the Gronk uh, circulation of uh, will he get traded to the Titans, will he get traded to the Niners, will he get traded at all? Uh, and it seemed like it was imminent, and then it kind of just got kiboshed. Uh, were you buying into the Gronk rumors at all? Do you think that it's still a possibility, or do you think it's more of uh, more smoke and mirrors from from fantasy Twitter? Or NFL Twitter. Yeah, I was I was totally buying in because and and I was excited. Like I was ready for it. I was actually sitting in a movie when this this news kind of started breaking and uh, instead of watching the movie, I was just scrolling through my phone and through Twitter and and trying to keep up with with these updates and it wasn't just one guy who dropped a random rumor. There seemed to be multiple uh, again beat writers, reporters, team uh, sources who expected bloggers, bloggers, <laughs> right, right. Uh, who expected some type of major news, and then uh, I guess people put two and two together and and thought maybe that it was Gronkowski being traded. Who knows what really is the truth at this point? Um, I don't think. It, I mean, the Saints were mentioned, so I guess if if he were to be traded to the Saints. Maybe we wouldn't see much of a downgrade in his value, but in general, we don't want him. We don't want him on another roster as far as uh, his fantasy and dynasty value goes. Yeah, I, I don't think I think that Gronk's the type of guy that he's situation agnostic. He's not going to have a huge impact and change in value, no matter whether his quarterback is you know Marcus Mariota, Jimmy Garoppolo, or Tom Brady. Like if he's any of those guys tight end, he's going to be a top five tight end and fantasy he's going to you know be one of the most targeted tight ends in the NFL so I mean Gronk the the question is more so how many years or even year is he going to play more more so than what team is he going to play for which it's probably just going to be the Patriots because you know so often when we hear like these rumors or you know we try and predict predicting NFL trades is one of the biggest wastes of time ever because 99.9% of the time NFL trades don't happen. We have we have seen more lately though over the past year or two and and that has uh, that's made things fun you know the in a lot of sports and maybe we could include NFL in this I, I definitely feel this way about uh, NBA and and baseball the off season's the best part right the the trades and the drafts and all the transactions and free agency that part is is the most enjoyable part and that's kind of why we love playing dynasty. Yeah, for sure. And the, the, the more, and obviously we've talked about your kitchen sink leagues plenty, but the more you can incorporate the off season into your dynasty league, the, the better, whether it's through, you know, a contract league or through Debbie, the more things that you can get going on in the off season, a, it's just more fun to do those things. But also the fact that when you force people to log into the, to the league page, other than, rather than just, you know, the random login every week that people do when there's actual real reasons to log in more trades happen. All right, let's move on to some bit of Devi strategy. We're going to first start out with more of a broad scope, and then we'll go more specific with our game um, with Devi or the vet. But just to start us off, um, one, one of the things that I, I think is one of the more intriguing discussions with Devi, and that is quantity versus quality. I know that this may be a bit of a broad question, but it, in your sense, would you rather go for that those top-tier guys if, if it sacrifices multiple Devi players? Or are you more on the side of let's just get as many chips on the table as possible? I think I've kind of gone back and forth with this. And 
we've seen, you know, if it's in kitchen sink leagues or, or there's, it's really just a growing, uh, I guess, subset of dynasty leagues, not only Devi leagues, but auction uh, leagues involving Devi auctions, which are, are just, they're just fantastic. We, we love them, Nathan. Um, mm-hmm. But I, yeah, so I've, I've kind of flipped back and forth between quantity and quality. And I, I think it, in general, it's just so tough to predict what these college players are going to do, how they're going to transition to the NFL. So if you're looking at a player pool that that's relatively limited, like in kitchen sink, we're adding 36 players per year. And uh, of course that, uh, that overlaps uh, at some time. I, I think I'd rather, I, I think I would side with the quality. If I can get, five or six of these guys, but they're the, the last five or six of the group versus the one guy at the top. I feel like I have a better chance there. See, for me, I, I'm more on the side of quantity uh, simply because I'd rather have multiple shots at, in, in reference kitchen sink. And with the kitchen sink format, you can get dollar players, um, you know, just by having a daddy spot and having a dollar that guarantees you a player. And I've had very mixed success with it, but I've, in, in years, I've gotten Nikhil Harry for a dollar. I've gotten Sonny Michelle for a dollar. I've also gotten Nate Craig Myers and Kyle Davis and and Simi Cobbs for a dollar. All those guys don't matter. So for me, I'm I'm not as confident in my ability to scout Debbie players that I'm not going to risk busting on the top guy. And I'll take multiple shots at you know the guys in like the twenty to twenty five or twenty to thirty range. And if one turns into Sonny Michelle or two turn into you know top fifteen to twenty players. Uh, as far as rookie and Debbie, then that's certainly, you know, a win in my book. And so it's one of those things that I'll stomach the, the, the losses of the, the, you know, dollar Kyle Davis and Nate Craig Myers that never turn into anything, because I think that there's a large number of dollar guys that also are going to, you know, uh, you know, blossom into guys that should be valued more towards that, that top of the tier. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's the right way to view it. And, um, not everybody is playing in in a Devi auction league. It, uh, most people are still uh, still drafting those players. But the the transition would be if if you're picking in the first half of the uh, the first half of the round. Maybe if you're doing a just a one round or two round Devi draft, then um, moving down and consolidating or, or uh, not consolidating, but uh, spreading those picks out. I guess getting multiple. Uh, later picks for your one high pick might be the way to go. Yeah. And there's certainly risk involved in that because while Nikhil Harry entering the college was a dollar player, now he's your top billing, top dollar player. And if he turns into a Dez, a Julio, you know, selling him for, you know, the one eleven and one twelve in your Debbie draft probably isn't going to work out for you unless you're one one twelve, one of those two, you know, hits more towards that top end. So there, there's certainly risks on both sides. There's the risk of a complete bust with the top end guy, while there's the risk of, you know, you're just not getting, you know, the thoroughbred type prospect when you're going towards the lower end of things. All right, this, this is going to be another one that uh, highly debated in the Debbie sphere. And that's more talented versus quicker to the NFL. So basically the scenario here is, do you take the sophomore who is in, guys entering your, his sophomore year that you think is, you know, a top five Debbie player? Or do you think take the guy who's entering his junior year, who you think is a top ten to twelve guy? Yeah, it's it's so tough to find that balance. Uh, in general, I find myself leaning more towards the players that I can use the quickest. So those those upperclassmen versus the young guys that uh, I might have to wait a, a couple extra years on. But uh, some of these players, I mean, we saw this this freshman running back class. Last year, uh, the, the wide receiver class two years ago, they're just so talented that you do have to find that balance. And, and it really becomes um, kind of a, a situation, a situational, you know, player by player decision. Uh, but in general, if I if I feel like the talent is anywhere close, then obviously I want the guy who's going to be on my roster sooner. Yeah, and I also think that it depends on how many uh, Devies are entering your league each year. So we have delayed dynasty where we have 10 enter each year and slightly out of laziness with like searching the player pool, but also just out of pure upside. I take freshmen every single year in that league because for the most part, the guys who 
are, you know, actually good got taken in early years when they were their freshman or a sophomore. Rarely are there guys entering their junior year that are legitimate prospects available in a, in a league that deep. So basically the deeper you go, the more willing I am to invest in that earlier uh, player pool because I'm just kind of investing in the upside there. Uh, when it's a one or two round Debbie draft, I don't, I see that's much less of a problem where I'm fine investing in sophomores or juniors, you know, kind of just evaluating uh, the, the talent. But for the most part, I, I tend to, if I, if I have to wait a year to get some more talented player, I'm usually fine doing that unless I kind of see the guy. Like it's one of those things that if I see a guy who's a junior and I think, okay, this guy's going to be a first round NFL draft pick. It's hard to really beat that. Like, you know, two years out, there's so many things that can happen to that sophomore. They could, you know, perform not as, not as well. They could have a bad combine. There's so many things that can happen that I I'm fine opting with the guy that has less obstacles in his way and who's only one year instead of two years. All right, let's move on to our next one. And this is one that I I think that a lot of people struggle with and that's uh, do seniors lack upside? This is kind of a random anecdote here, but I remember being in a Debbie draft. Uh, it was a two-round Debbie draft league where Devontae Parker was available entering his senior year. And pretty much everyone was avoiding him, not because they didn't like him as a player, but because they were like, well, he's a senior, so there must be something wrong with him. There must be a reason why he didn't enter the NFL after his junior year. And the success rate of Parker to this date, you know, that might have much to do with this discussion. But um, what is your opinion on seniors? Do you kind of downgrade a guy? If they're, if they're for some reason still available in a Debbie league and they're entering their senior season – do you kind of raise an eyebrow like, hey, maybe you're not that good because you didn't have to be NFL? Um, I don't necessarily do that intentionally, and and I'm not sure that anybody does or or at least would admit to it. But I think there's definitely like a bias in the back of our mind because uh, – and, and I've written about this before, but dynasty owners, especially the ones who play Devi, we just uh, – we just assume that every junior is going to declare. Uh, and, and obviously that doesn't happen. And, and even the past couple of years, uh, we've seen some surprise decisions with guys like Nick Chubb going back to school for his senior year, Bryce Love this year, and uh, Cortland Sutton went, went back for uh, an additional year. There, there's tons of examples over the past couple of years, especially. I, I have kind of informally studied the Devi value of these players before they, um, I guess, opt to return to school and after. And it does seem like there is a hit to their value. Um, and maybe it, it, I guess it is just that perception that maybe they weren't good enough to declare for the draft or uh, this guy, you know, this guy's not as good as we thought he was because he wasn't able to, to leave after three years. Uh, and, and then part of it probably just has to do with it's another year I have to wait. You, you were expecting to add this guy to your to your main dynasty team, and and now it's another year to you know sit with him on the taxi squad or uh, just to to carry that spot that uh, is, is not really going to help you. Yeah, one example recently was actually Corey Davis, where I remember fantasy Twitter and dynasty Twitter was absolutely in love with Corey Davis after his junior year and saying, okay, this guy's going to be a top dynasty rookie pick. And then he enters, I mean, then he stays in college for his senior year. And I'm kind of thinking, well, maybe, maybe the NFL doesn't like him as much as we do. And that, that's where I kind of had a cause for concern. Like, okay, maybe he's just not going to go as high in the NFL draft, which will hurt his you know early targets and, and things of that nature. But I, I was wrong. Obviously, he stayed for a senior year, had, had another amazing year in his senior year, and then he got picked fifth overall in the NFL draft. So, so sometimes staying for the senior year doesn't really guarantee that the NFL doesn't like you. And I mean, these are human beings. Maybe they just wanted to finish up school. Maybe they enjoyed college. Like, I, I mean, it's one of those things that it's hard to really quantify. But um, Corey Davis staying for his senior year didn't have any like it, it didn't hurt his dynasty or didn't hurt his NFL value at all. No, and it's it yeah, it is just one of kind of one of those things that um, really we should probably be taking advantage of it, right? I mean, there's there's guys uh, there's guys this year, uh, I believe uh, his his name's escaping me. I think it's David Sills, uh, West Virginia wide receiver. Uh, he was a player that a lot of people thought uh, might declare, might come out and be part of this class, and uh, of course he went back to school. With and, Will Greer. Yes, exactly. So 
you know, those guys are going to put up big numbers just as we saw with, um, with like Rudolph and, and Washington this year, a year ago, they both opted to go back to school and, and put up huge numbers and, and, you know, potentially help their stock. That's, that's one thing we don't really know is where they might've gone in both the NFL draft and in rookie drafts versus that next year. Um, but yeah, in, in Debbie leagues, we should be taking advantage of that. If the perception is that Bryce Love wasn't good enough or David Sills wasn't good enough, then maybe, maybe we should buy those guys a little bit cheaper. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see once like the Debbie season gets in full swing of where Bryce Love goes and compared with those 2020 running backs that many see as like the more talented players. But obviously Bryce Love is going to be producing NFL points a lot quicker than those 2020 running backs. All right, let's finish off some overall Debbie talk with our freshman too risky. Obviously, I talked about how uh, the larger the league, the more need to draft freshmen are. But let's let's kind of stick to more of the the more traditional Debbie league that most people play in. In a let's say twenty four to thirty six players enter each year. Uh, do you think freshmen are too risky? Are they are they worth the risk because they you know can exploit early on? What are your thoughts on freshmen? I don't really think they're too risky because in most cases I don't think they're they're being valued all that highly. If you're talking about a like you said a two or three round Devi draft, in most cases freshmen are not going to go. Uh, maybe not even in the first round, but usually not in the top five or so. So if you're spending a second or a third round pick, or if you're in an auction format and you're spending a dollar like you did on Nikhil Harry a couple of years ago, then the only, the only thing you're really using is, uh, is that roster space. So because of that, I don't think they're too risky, but in general, it, it is, it's a major challenge to predict what, uh, an 18 year old kid is going to do in three years or four years, if that's the case, or, or maybe even longer in the NFL. Yeah. And one of the things that I kind of struggle with that even on the scenarios where I've hit on a freshman, it's still a waiting game. You, you're still waiting three years, possibly four years if they stay till your senior year till they make even score a single fantasy point. And then traditionally you're not really starting, you know, and maybe rookie running backs are the exception there, but rookie wide receivers, rookie quarterbacks, you're not really starting them on a weekly basis in your fantasy league. So if I draft Nikhil Harry in 2016, I might not start him on my fantasy team until 2020. So that, that's a long waiting game to play, especially, you know, and I, I don't really play this game because I, I, I feel like I play in most like safe leagues that not, not, not the Scottish safe leagues, but leagues that don't fold basically is what I'm saying. So I, I, I play in leagues that don't fold for the most part. So I don't really worry about that scenario, but that is something that people take into account is like, Oh, what, why am I worried about four years from now? Cause the league might fold by then. So yeah, uh, speaking of leagues that might fold, you know it's not going to fold? My friends, at the, my friends at the FFPC. Let me tell you about our friends at the, the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. Fantasy draft season is heating up, and the FFPC has a format to suit interest and budget. Whether you like best ball or super flex or classic managed leagues, there are drafts daily with entry fees starting at just $35. Jump into a slow or live draft today. If you like Dynasty, and I know you do because you've listened to this for the last 34 minutes, uh, the FFPC has almost 200 active dynasty leagues when that's your fee starting at $77 and going up to $2,500. Here's something incredible. Not a single dynasty league has folded in eight years. New dynasty leagues are forming right now with startup drafts launching on a regular basis. Don't miss the FFPC experience. Go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. You see, I, I kind of tried try to, try to channel my inner Matt Williamson with a certain shave ad that he does. <laughs> where he like he try he takes like the most awkward time possible to to try and talk about shaving. <laughs> that that was very William S. Williamson esque. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, let's do our game for today, and it's a little bit of it's a twist. It's not rookie, rookie or the V. It's actually Devi, Devi or the V. You know, I, I don't think there's uh. any singing on any of your podcast, Ryan. I think you might need to add that element. No, like, I, don't, just, who, I don't. Who's I don't the singer? Is, is, would it be Would it be George? Would it be Scott? Which, which, which one of your co-hosts is the best singer? Uh, probably Franco, right? It's got to be Frank. Oh, oh, Frank's got some pipes. We we, we got to know that. There you go. He probably sang in New York. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna stop before we get unsubscribed. Uh, Here we go. All right, our first Debbie or the vet is going to be 
Justin Herbert of Oregon, quarterback, or Mitchell Trubisky? Which of these would you want on your dynasty roster today? Oh, man, this one uh, – you you gave me some layups here, I think. This one is an easy one. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, no doubt about it. Um, obviously, we already know the draft capital. He was the number two overall pick uh, a little over a year ago. And, um, well, he certainly had a rough rookie season – uh, like I mentioned earlier in the show, it, it looks like uh, everything's pointing in the right direction for the Bears offense uh, with the addition of Allen Robinson, and Trey Burton, and and the other weapons that they've uh, they've added, Anthony Miller, of course. And then just the obviously the changes on the coaching staff uh, are, are the big reason for the optimism there. Uh, Herbert is a guy I like uh, in my in my Debbie auctions, super flex, kitchen sink leagues, obviously going to be targeting Herbert if he's available. But I mean, we're not sure if he's even going to be a first round pick. I've, I've tracked some uh, 2019 NFL mock drafts and, you know, you can say what you will about the uh, validity of those. Um, But only about half of those have Herbert predicted as even as a first round pick, let alone going in the top two uh, like Trubisky did. So Knowing the situation, knowing the draft capital, uh, this one's an easy one for me. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's quite as easy as most because I, I made up the question, so I want them to you know, sound a little <laughs> more interesting. Uh, but I think it also takes your risky, and we, we've kind of talked about how uh, Sam Darnold could have the uh, Jared Goff career arc of absolutely terrible in year one and then you know turn around in year two with more weapons. Mitchell Trubisky is also on that career arc of, pretty bad in year one and adding a bunch of weapons in year two. So I'm not sure Trubisky is as good as Goff in year two, but he's certainly going to have a, a, a very solid improvement. He's going to be giving you points specifically. Um, if we're talking, if we're talking uh, one quarterback, Herbert doesn't really matter. So let's say that we're talking super flex here. Um, and Trubisky is going to be giving you points this year. So uh, I think it's kind of close, but uh, Trubisky is the, the safer option just because of the fact that, you know, he's in the NFL right now. So is Herbert your top Devi quarterback right now? It would be, it'd be him or Tua, but yeah. I, I think that, I think comparing Tua to any like guys who have a starting job right now, I'd take the guy with that starting job. Right. All right. Let's go to our next one, the running back position. And I'm actually surprised because you said I gave you layups. I think this one's actually pretty close. Um, and it's Bryce Love, who we talked about as a returning senior from Stanford. And it's Tevin Coleman. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, they're they're not all layups. No, not I, I didn't mean to. Uh, say that this one is this one is pretty close because I'm not a huge fan of either player actually um I, I I think there's a reason love went back to school and and we heard reports that he um he's kind of a student for student first and and really values his education which uh is is kind of rare to to see with these student athletes but it's a good thing obviously um so for but but other than that, I'm just not sure he's ready for the NFL. I'm not sure he's going to be ready for the NFL a year from now. Uh, he had a really strong uh, season in 2017, but he also battled injuries basically every game. Every time I watched a Stanford game, he was um, back and forth from the sidelines to the huddle and um, cramping and stretching and and lots of seemingly soft right, tissue injuries. Right, right. When he was done stretching, he had a 20-yard run, like every single time. That is, that is true. That is true. <laughs> I, I just – I don't know uh, when when I look at his size, when I take into account all of his uh, – this this injury history and these nagging injuries that he had uh, when he finally got some playing time in 2017, I just don't know if he's suited for the NFL, honestly. Um, Tevin Coleman, I – you know, we, we know the story on him. He's, he's a year away from free agency. Everybody expects him to be uh, kind of the Jarek McKinnon, except he's already carrying uh, a lot of value quite a bit more than McKinnon was. So, uh, I mean, if, if he lands in an ideal spot like McKinnon did, and, and you talked about Williamson, my buddy Matt suggested maybe Le'Veon Bell is gone and Tevin Coleman lands in Pittsburgh. If that were to play out, we're talking about Tevin Coleman as maybe even as a top 10 dynasty back. So uh, I'm, I'm going with Coleman here uh, again, not huge on either guy, but I just, as great as Bryce love is as a college player, I'm not sure he's going to be uh, even half that successful in the NFL. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll certainly see how things play out. I, I think lo- one thing Love will benefit from is that the 2019 running back class looks pretty poor. And from a dynasty perspective, it's going to be pretty much all wide receiver all the time. So Love could be the RB1, and the RB1 could go off the board at like 108 in rookie drafts. So we'll see how that goes. But with, with Tevin Coleman, he's a guy that is, he's a spot start slash great best ball option, um, you know, while he's still with Devonta Freeman. And then when, if he, assuming he leaves Atlanta and goes to a, a spot where he ends up being the lead back, even if it's a 1A, 1B, instead of being the 1B, 1A, it's certainly going to be an improvement. And, and he'll, I'd say worst case, gets valued around that 108 range. So um, if I can get similar value and get the production right now, I'm certainly going to take that. So I guess we're going to continue on with, uh, we've both gone vets so far. Let's see if this changes our mind. This is going to be A.J. Brown, who many consider the 101, maybe 102 of rookie drafts next year. Or Jarvis Landry. This this is the toughest one for me. Um, I, I I love AJ Brown, and uh, I do expect him, like you just said, to be a, a top two pick. Really was happy to see him break out in his sophomore season a year ago, and uh, even even though that Ole Miss program has uh, gone through some some rough times, that he lost his quarterback, of course, and uh, a few of his teammates with the the off-field uh, violations and scandal that they've got going. I, I honestly don't expect any of that to slow him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm expecting another big season and and do expect him to be part of that 2019 class as a top draft pick. With Landry, we know, we, we know what we're getting for the most part. Um, if there is a question, it's can he still see the same amount of volume in Cleveland that he did in Miami? It seems like there's a lot more mouths to feed. Um, we don't know exactly what that offense is going to look like. And, and then when it comes down to it for me, I think if it's this time next year and I've got the 101 or 102, would I trade that for Jarvis Landry? I don't think I would. So I'm going to go here with the Devi. I'm going to go A.J. Brown. Yeah, I'm going to continue to agree here. I'll also take A.J. Brown. And we can talk about this time next year, will you be willing to trade the 101, 102 for Landry? That's very unlikely. If, if you're making this trade, if you're trading A.J. Brown for Jarvis Landry today, you're doing so with the hope or the assumption or, you know, just t- trying to take the risk out of the fact that Debbie players are risky. They get hurt. They, um, you know, just don't live up to expectations. They go lower in the draft than many fantasy people expect. So it, if you're making this trade today, you're kind of hoping A.J. Brown ends up more in like the 106, 107 range, in which case that'd be a win for Jarvis Landry. But uh, if you think that he's going to be 101, 102, I think you have to side with Brown here. Yeah, and Landry's kind of a weird case, too, because even though he has all this production, uh, he's been a a top 24 wide receiver basically his entire career, Um, and I think he was wide receiver four last year with just a a crazy amount of volume and uh, finally finally found the end zone a lot uh, in, in 2017. Despite all that, he's not really valued as an elite wide receiver, and if he does have really any kind of drop off in Cleveland, whether it's uh, whether it's due to uh, less volume or whatever the case might be. I just hate to see what might happen to his value then. Basically he's performing as an elite receiver, but not valued as such. Um, so once, once he does take that step back, his value could really plummet. Yeah. I, as soon as he has like a, like 70 catch for 900 yard season, Jarvis Landry is going to get like become like a ninth round startup pick. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, he, he really could maybe, maybe not that far, but I mean, he's never, I don't want to say never, but I, I can't remember him ever uh, locking into that like top 24 uh, dynasty ADP. So he's, he's always been a third or fourth rounder, even though he's put up big numbers. So we could, we could definitely see him in the, sixth seventh round range next year all righty let's go with our next one and our final one and it's going to be the tight end position and it's going to be noah fant of iowa or trey burton of the chicago bears now i put this one on here because i know you're a burton guy and because I, I i kind of had a feeling you might side debbie if it's really close like we kind of did with the drivers aj brown situation what are your thoughts burton versus fant yeah, this one is close for sure. The uh, the quarterback and running back, you took it easy on me, but these these pass catchers are tough, tough decisions. Um, 
I mean, you have to love everything you see about Noah Fant. Big, huge guy, like 6'5", 240-ish, uh, but, but he, he can run, he can catch, he can pretty much do it all. Uh, and I've seen some reports that this offseason he's, he's working on his – uh, working on his blocking, working on his route running, kind of those uh, those next steps in refining his game. That's that's great to see. I talked about the 2019 NFL mock drafts, and uh, you don't see tight ends showing up in the first round of the NFL draft very often, uh, especially when you're talking about a year out, because it is it is generally tough to predict that position and how the NFL is going to value those players. But Fant showed up in the first round of several of those mocks as well. Um, I do love Burton. You're right about that. I think he's my tight end six or seven in Dynasty. So uh, even though he's relatively unproven, I'm a big fan. He's had to kind of bide his time there in Philadelphia before he uh, made the move this offseason to Chicago. I, I think he's in line for a big role there, of course, based on the payday they gave him and and, again, the changes that they've made to their offense. And we know the story with, with these young tight ends. It, it generally takes them two to three years to, uh, to really make an impact in the NFL. Evan Ingram uh, is, is a rare commodity to see a guy come in and score as a top 12 tight end right away. In fact, he's, he's the only one that's done that since Gronkowski, I believe. So as much as I love fan, I think he'll be a first round rookie pick in dynasty drafts next year, but it's not just a one year wait with him. It might be a three or four year wait until he really is ready to be put into starting lineup. So I'm going to go with Burton here, but it is very close. So this will be our one disagreement. I'm going to side with Fant, who is considered the tight end one in dynasty right now, uh, 16.5 yards per catch in 2017, 11 touchdowns. That's production you just don't see at the tight end position. For the most part, college tight ends don't get used. I remember back in the college DFS days that people were like, all right, like what's the absolute least I can spend at the tight end position? And that was the optimal strategy. So, uh, but not really having anything to do with Dynasty. But so with Fant, I, I think that I, I agree with all the mock drafts and all that. He's going to be a first round, uh, you know, NFL draft pick, maybe early second at the, at the worst. And then that kind of puts him in that late first, early second of Dynasty rookie drafts. So, I, I don't see a scenario where I put Burton as a late first-round pick next year. I, I'm I'm a fan of Shaheen. I think that he's going to get some targets in that Chicago offense. And that Chicago offense went from an offense that was like targeting Kendall Wright a bunch of times to now that it's kind of spread out a lot. There's going to be uh, Anthony Miller, Allen Robinson, Shaheen, and uh, Burton. So I, I think that it, there's a case to be made that it's going to be difficult for Burton to find consistent targets for fantasy. So in that case, I'm going to, you know, shoot for the upside with Fant, but it's one of the scenarios that if Shaheen just doesn't end up being relevant fantasy and Burton ends up being the receiving tight end there, I can certainly be proven wrong pretty quickly. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a fair case. I, I do think just looking at this current rookie class, I do think Burton is, is worth in that range, late first, early second. Um, and, and if he has a big year, he, he could be again, if we're talking about next year's draft picks, but yeah, that's, that's a fair case. I, I do love Noah fan. I'm, I'm excited to see him this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess this, we can wrap up with kind of a, a spin towards our, you know, Debbie conversation to begin with. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on investing in a tight end? Do you just rarely do it? I, I know the OJ Howard was, was selected in a few Debbie leagues, but for the most part, I don't. I've never really seen Debbie invest. Oh, I saw Goddard taken in a few leagues last year. But for the most part, I don't really see tight end taken. Do, do you ever dive, uh, dive into the tight end pool, or you kind of just wait until there are rookies for that? Yeah, I, I typically wait until they're rookies. I think um, it, it is it is hard to predict tight ends how they're going to be used. A lot of the tight ends that do put up numbers in college, um, maybe it's maybe they're just a product of uh, of their offense and. Um, I, I guess the good thing for for us as fantasy players is we're starting to see the NFL um, kind of ignore blocking. You know, you, it, the the thing for so long was if a tight end can't pass block or uh, or can't run block, then he, he's not going to see the field. 
that's kind of going away a little bit in, in some cases, which is a good thing for us. It'll make things a little bit easier. And, and guys like Evan Ingram and, uh, and we've got a couple this year who are not well known for their blocking, but are still expected to, to get on the field pretty quickly. Um, but, but overall, yeah, I, I'm, I'd just rather take my shots on, uh, on receiver running back, or if we're talking about a super flex league, then, then quarterback as well. And tight end just really just like it does in, in most fantasy formats kind of gets pushed to the, to the back. Yeah, and one thing to talk about the blocking thing, this kind of more just as a Tampa thing, uh, but I I heard last year that people were knocking O.J. Howard because of his blocking. Like, he's one of the best uh, blocking tight ends in the NFL. And so people were like, well, Cam Brate's going to get the receiving targets, and now Howard's going to be always the one staying back. Uh, For me, if if a tight end is a good blocker, they're – they're going to be on the field more, which is good for their fantasy value. So I I thought that was amusing as a knock on Howard. Oh, he's too good of a blocker to be a receiving tight end. Yeah, that's a, I don't know. I guess when you, when you are are down on a player for whatever reason, you'll kind of find any reason to, uh, to, to knock them or to, to, I don't know, to put them down, I guess. Yeah, for sure. All right, Ryan, I'd like to thank you uh, very much. And before I uh, sign off for the show, I just want to remind you to rate and review the uh, Rotoviz uh, Dynasty Tradecast on uh, on Rotoviz Radio uh, on iTunes. Uh, it's good stuff. And Ryan, like, thank you for coming on. Uh, and uh, anything you need to plug? Uh, no, I don't think so. You, you know where to find me. Well, then I'll do it for you. Uh, you have <laughs> fantastic uh, new duo of George George Criticos and uh, Ryan McDowell on the Player Raider podcast. I've listened to the first two episodes, both very excellent. Uh, Bull Rush, one of my favorite podcasts on the planet. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm forgetting one. Oh, Dynasty Blueprint with Matt, Matt Williamson, which I mentioned earlier. So um, there you go. Thanks, Nathan. Yeah. Uh, all right. Th- everybody, uh, thanks for listening and uh, have a great night. Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited-time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.